Happy, Happy St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day. That one fucking worked. That one fucking worked. Oh, see, you got I, that one. On my end, it sounded terrible. <laughs> Seriously? Oh, yeah. I started to say it, and then you slowly kind of chimed in, and it's like, okay. Hit the music. Who are those fellas down at the end of the bar? Those are the McGlynn boys. It's best to just let them be and listen to what they gotta say. Ask if you must, drink if you want, and disregard the rules, because this, this is the Tavern in Question. All right, it's Thursday, friends. It is a special Thursday. For those of you who are on the stream with us, you may notice that uh, we are dressed uh, what some might deem as a a slightly odd. But y'all can go fuck yourselves because it's St. Patty's Day. (laughs) So uh, for those of you who are watching us, uh, and there's a few of y'all in the chat already, uh, I love this. Uh, It's great to see y'all. I am super stoked that everybody is here. Uh, Josh was going to go ahead. We're going to give him the win for the hat contest, even though I am have, I like got two hats on. Uh, and for those of you, I will try to just like get pictures and get them on the show notes. So y'all can see them, uh, beforehand. And you can kind of see what, like how actually <laughs> fucking ridiculous we look. We have, a uh, uh, somebody in the stream right now who said we have big nerd energy. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and that has never been more true. So here we are a special episode of the tavern in question i'm ian that's josh uh the brothers mcglynn here to talk to you once a week about bullshit and just stuff and have a great time doing it uh the chat room is full so folks thursday nights at 7 30 you need to come on twitch you need to join us because we have a ball the chat room gets rowdy uh as long as hermes can stay and doesn't have to go to bed at seven o'clock at night like he does tonight um but it's uh but yeah anyway uh good night hermes sleep well princess love you Okay, <laughs> bitch. <clears throat> and for our friends in podcast land who have absolutely no idea what the fuck that, that means, uh, twitch.tv, look for the tavern in question, and uh, come and join us there on Thursday nights at 7.30. It's a great time. Uh, and also, if you don't want to do that and you just want to watch this stuff, you can go on to Patreon. Josh will put links into the Patreon stuff. Uh, well, he'll give them to me, and I'll put them in stuff, and we'll get them all over the place. So, uh, podcast folks, every Monday, you get the new episode. As we discussed uh, earlier this week, sometimes that's Wednesdays or Fridays or Saturdays or whenever I fucking get done. Anyway, uh, so here we are, Josh. <laughs> happy th- Happy St. Patty's Day, Josh. Hey, happy St. Patty's Day. How are you? I'm fucking like super stoked, man. Super, super stoked. Like, so this is our second like episode for the week. Yeah. That's what's weird. I know. We recorded right? on Tuesday. That was that was really fucking weird. <clears throat> yeah, I I I don't think I was ready to to drink on a Tuesday. <laughs> it was uh, was not ready either. But hey, fuck! I got up. I went to work the next day, and I'm like, you know what? I'm I'm feeling pretty good. I'm I'm all right. I'm all right. <clears throat> I uh yeah I I didn't feel bad either. I actually I felt pretty good, but I didn't drink that much though. I I kind of took it easy that night. Because we were talking about COVID, and if I got super drunk while we were talking about COVID, that episode could have gotten really bad really fast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Anyway, that'll be out soon. That'll be out probably after this one. We'll probably post this one first, then we'll do the COVID one. Yes. Talking about COVID, you know, it's always uh, it's always a fun time, I guess, to, uh, to each their yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway. Anyway. So uh, I, my friend, am ready for the news desk. Are you ready? Uh, yeah. Here we go. News desk. All right, in sports news today, uh, some some collegiate athletics. Uh, so in the news lately, there's been a, a little bit of a controversy with a couple of transgender swimmers from the University of Pennsylvania, uh, or excuse me, Penn State. So they're from Penn State. Uh, so uh, uh, they have been uh, kind of getting after it in the pool, and there's some folks that are feeling a little feeling a little feelings about that shit. Um, and let me be perfectly honest with you. I don't give a fuck about your feelings, so you can keep those to yourself. It doesn't fucking matter. Uh, Leah Thomas is a national champion. This is the opening line of this story. Uh, Leah Thomas went and did the 500-yard freestyle at a time of 433.24, which is pretty fucking fast. 500 yards, and that, that's pretty fucking fast. So, uh, mm. beat out an Olympic silver medalist and uh, some other folks. Um, and so so there's, there's some... Uh, there's, there's some grumblings about the whole transgender thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, let me mm-hmm. let me put my shit out there right now. Um, I don't give a fuck. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? Um, so what this is going to force people to do, right? Uh, we're going to be like completely gender neutral, right? I'm just gonna mm-hmm. just gonna compete. We're gonna have people competing against people. That's what we should do. Just yeah. people competing against people. Who gives a fuck? Dudes, chicks, both, neither. Doesn't matter. It's fucking just people. People competing against people, right? Now you start throwing dogs in there to compete or, like, chairs to try to swim against other people. Yeah, we got some fucking issues. But, like, no. Let's let's do this. Let's have some gender neutrality. Yeah. And uh, let's freaking compete. Let's see how this goes, right? Um, I understand and I sympathize with the argument that, you know— uh, you know, there's there's some uh, physiological differences, right? Uh, if you want to learn all about those physiological differences, go over to Ben Shapiro's podcast. He'll educate you on all that stuff. Um, that's not our job, and we don't care. So we're not going to. Um, but I would like to congratulate Leah Thomas for becoming the national champion uh, from Penn State. I'm sure her and her team are excited that she did so well and swam her ass off and did awesome. So, uh not my typical sad, grumpy, awful, terrible news. Uh, a little happy. So, congratulations, Leah. And uh, keep pissing them off and swimming your ass off. I appreciate it. Golf clap. Josh, over, over but, to you. But it's for swimming. Okay. <clears throat> so, uh, my news story actually is taking place here right in Michigan, which is awesome. So, dun, dun, dun. A Michigan-based restaurant is attempting to enter the Guinness Book of World Records, not for potatoes or mistaken potatoes, but by making the biggest Irish coffee. Uh, the restaurant, Hofbras in Interlaken, which is um, uh, outside. Kind of near Traverse City? Yes, sir. There you go. Um they are making, or they're going to be attempting to make the largest Irish coffee. So, reading through this, uh, this is the breakdown 
of how much they're putting in this Irish coffee. You ready? 69 Maybe. gallons of uh, Tullamore Dew Irish whiskey. That's a lot of Tullamore. 412 gallons of coffee from a Traverse City-based uh, uh, coffee company. 190 pounds of brown sugar and 69 gallons of cream. God damn. Like, the the cream ratio seems like it's too much. Like, the fact that you're putting, like, the exact same amount to your whiskey, that seems like it's too much cream. I could be wrong. But. I I don't. I, I Yeah. The cream's too much. But yeah. you're also putting in 69 gallons of Tullamore <laughs> Dew, right? And I'm guessing they found that because they're like, hey, Tullamore's like, if you buy a bunch, we'll give you a fucking hell of a good deal. Right. Right. And so. Yeah, You're buying sixty nine yeah. gallons of it. Fuck, I hope so. Yeah, I and and yeah, they only spent twenty five dollars altogether on all that whiskey, um, and uh, and still overpaid a little bit. But um, anyway, the like, what size tub? Like, are they putting it in a pool? They, uh, they, the way they announced this was uh, through Facebook. They took a picture, and I will make sure that the. Uh, the picture gets included in the show notes. They have this giant, what looks like a coffee mug, but it's made out of steel, and it looks like it has, like, glass openings, so you can see it after they've poured everything in because they were doing this today. They were making it and getting it all set up today. Um, it's it's pretty cool. <laughs> I mean, just, like, that's a huge fucking Irish coffee drink. But So I'm assuming that they're going to use that and, like, ladle it out and, like, hand it out at this restaurant. And so, you know, it's that's awesome. So so definitely they're getting in the, the spirit of everything, but then they're also trying to break a record. Um, the only disappointing thing that I couldn't find in my article was if there was an already existing giant Irish coffee drink. Um, that I may have to look into myself. How are they going to keep it hot? Well, if the if the how it looks in the picture, like it looks like the frame of it is made out of metal. So if that's the case, put it open a, a fire. Like put it like like a freaking uh, what is it? Um, like a cauldron almost. Yeah, it would keep it hot. Chances yeah, are, I just think like 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 the last couple of people that are like scooping out the last little bits of it. Ugh, that'd be gro- uh, yeah. nope. That that that'd be pretty. That'd be pretty heavy. Not this number one guy, no sir. Ah no no no. So yeah. So I hey, love, uh, I love Irish coffee though. There we go. Uh, interlocking. I hope uh, I hope you get your your record because that would be pretty fucking cool. When will we know? Um, the article does not say, but it sounds like after they get it all together and have it uh, ready to go, um, and apparently um, they will officially send in the info to Guinness to to have them do their thing. Um, but I guess they've yes. been planning this for uh, a little over a year now. So maybe they got the idea for it last St. Patrick's Day and were like, oh, fuck. We need to start buying whiskey. We need to start buying. <laughs> we need to start buying everything because it's gonna taste a goddamn year just to get everything we need. But but sure enough, they're uh, they're gonna do it, and that's that's fun. 
and it's exciting. You know, it's it's a different way to to get into the holiday spirit, I guess. You know, yeah. St. Patrick would definitely want you to make a giant alcoholic beverage. Oh, of course he would. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, he was here to party. So, uh, interesting note, uh, podcast people and uh, stream folks, if you are interested. Uh, a year ago, we did a St. Patty's uh, Day episode, and we did a lot of the, the history and then personal celebration stuff that we do on St. Patty's Day on that episode. So, if you go back uh, a year from now, I think it's like episode two. Uh, the released in, like, July. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can you can get all the history and, and that kind of thing, uh, the St. Patty's Day stuff there. So there's there's that. So, all right, well, uh, national records and swimming and uh, yeah. a giant fucking cup of coffee. Irish coffee, come on now. An Irish coffee. Don't, don't downplay their hard work. So, uh, so here's the deal, like with the Irish coffee, though. Is it Irish coffee just because it has Irish whiskey in it? So if we make it with, like, bourbon, is it, like, Kentucky coffee? No, it's just good fucking coffee. Fair enough. I've 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 occasionally put a put a droplet or two of whiskey in my coffee on on the weekend, and it doesn't oh, disappoint. Not at all. That and it's like bourbon cream or the the Irish cream itself. Mm-hmm. Fucking yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You, Bur- you, the bourbon cream. You get after that. I like that shit. I like that shit. So. All right, well, that's going to wrap it up for us here at what is probably the shortest ever news desk in history. Oh, um, right. Holy shit. Yeah, I think we're less than 10 minutes, man. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, Josh, take us out. Here we go. Right, so we are at the part of the show that we like to call Hey Bartender. This is where we talk about what it is we're drinking. Now, Josh and I are absolutely not drinking the same thing. Not even close. He's got green beer and some beautiful, what looks like John's Lane powers back there. Mm. Oh, I want to make out with that bottle so bad. Don't make this weird, bitch. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I also do have powers, but it is uh, a little bit different. Uh, mine is just the regular gold label, uh, but uh, powers is here to party, so don't be judgy. We like that. Uh, but I also have uh, a little, uh, a little other extra mixy mixers here. Uh, sipping on some Jameson Cooper's Crows. This is by the head barrel maker, uh, Head Cooper Jer Buckley. Um, they have three of these. They have Cooper's Crows, the Blender's Dog, and the Distiller's something. I forget what that one is, but I've got. Uh, is it orange? <laughs> I have the Blender's Dog and Cooper's Crows, and they are both very delicious. If you like Jameson, you will enjoy these. These are uh, uh, Jameson plus some. They're uh, a little bit, a little bit heftier than uh, than the normal label. Oh, now also I have Teeling Single Malt. I have not had this yet. I'm trying. Uh, what they do is they finish a bunch of their whiskey in a bunch of different barrels, like sherry and port and all kinds of crazy shit, and then they blend all that together. So. I am anxiously awaiting this. This will be my first time with the Teeling Single Malt. Nice. Josh, your green beer, sir. Uh yeah, it's uh it's green beer. It's uh it's almost gone. Uh it just feels like a really uh silly holiday thing. And uh I mean, fuck, why not? 
Hey, Josh, when you get a chance, I would really like for you to kick Chance out of the chat because uh, he just thought I was going to grab a bottle of the knot and uh, and start sipping on that. So, uh, Chance, uh, you can uh, you can fuck all the way off. Yep, <laughs> all the way. We don't say that word here. Yep. That, that is that is the name that shall not be mentioned. Yep. We can't do that. Big dumb. Can't do that. Can't do that. So, uh, Teeling, Jameson, Powers, Josh, you've got Coors Light, that's green, and uh, and Powers. Yes, sir. Yeah, so Jameson and Powers all come out of the Middleton Distillery in uh, County Cork, Ireland. Uh, oh, and they've got their own little, like, recipes and all that stuff, but they use all the same stills, same warehouses, all that stuff. Uh, different barrel um, setups and finishing stuff, so... Uh, a lot of unique whiskey comes out of Middleton. Another one that I'll probably end up grabbing here before the night's out is some of that beautiful red breast. Mm. That's some of my favorite Irish whiskey around. That's mm. great stuff. So, so love that shit. But another uh, another Middleton distillery um, uh, family member. Mm -hmm. Teeling is actually made in Dublin. Uh, Teeling's master distiller is, uh, is American. Actually, I think he's a, a chemical engineer from MIT that moved over to, to start making whiskey over there. And they're doing... They're doing great stuff. I don't know a lot of the history of Teeling yet, um, but their their stuff is great. This is actually quite lovely. Uh, which one are you sipping on first? This is the Teeling Single Malt. I did recently um, get uh, uh, Sexton uh, Irish Whiskey, the, the Single yeah. Malt. That's actually very good. And I was... Um, Fortunate enough to get it in a cool little package deal where I got two cups to go with it. And they are... Okay, and fuck, I got to get it. Hang on. Oh, shit. No, I All can't because right. I got to take no, off. No, go ahead. Shit. Take your time. <laughs> what? Take your time. Go ahead and grab it. All right. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. The podcast can wait. It's okay. Okay. Hang on. Oh, yeah. Geez. Yeah. Fuck. fuck the podcast, people. It's okay. No big deal. I'll just entertain them for a few minutes. All right. So... While Josh is out, chat, we have uh, some free time to uh, to talk shit on Josh. It's going to take him like five minutes to get his thing back and get everything set to go. But anyway. Hang on. Yep, take your time. Hang on. It's okay. Yep, take your time. It's good, bud. <laughs> okay, so. So first off, this is a cool fucking bottle. So just to focus it. Focus. There we go. It's just It's just fucking cool. So, uh, very good whiskey. I, I really enjoy it. Another uh, really cool thing is it came with two of these bad boys. I Hang like on. those. Hang on. It's focusing. Focus. Focus. <laughs> there it is. Oh, there we go. Sexton Single Malt. Yeah. They're, they're, they're sexy cups. And like they they match the bottle perfectly, almost like they were designed to do that. Like somebody in like I know, like they did it on purpose it. or something. Yeah, it's crazy, it's crazy. <sighs> Look, yeah, the glass guys, the glass guys are just like, oh my god, look at this. And it's like, oh, what are the odds? <laughs> what? How did we do this? Where's uh, where's Sexton made, Josh? That's a great question. <clears throat> distilled. Oh no, that's that's distilled in copper pots. Da, 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 da. I'm looking. Hang on. The Sexton. Dun, dun, dun. Ooh, their website's super fancy. Touch of Ireland. 
Yeah, it's definitely made in Ireland. Northern region. Oh, uh, County Antrim. Seriously? Yeah. That's our. That's yeah. the county that we grew up in. I know, right? Yeah. Like, they got this cool, like, skeleton guy with a top hat thing going on. And, like, on the side, they have the same skeleton guy driving a carriage. And even the horse is, like, a skeleton. It's it's pretty fucking cool. Just, like, it's almost like a gimmick. Yeah. But it's a cool gimmick. It's definitely one I can get behind. Aw. So... Yeah, their their website's pretty legit, man. Yeah, and and the whiskey's not bad either. Yeah, and and the cool thing is it's it's fairly cheap too, which that's yeah. that's always a surprise for me. Well, and that's always like that's like your thing. Oh fuck yeah! If if I can find something that's good that isn't gonna make me cry as I buy it, then uh, yeah, <laughs> no no tears. No. But oh, that's a bummer. This. Uh, this John Lane though is is no slouch. Fuck a duck. Oh, fucking. Ugh. Mm. I say I still have some of that uh, that powers uh, the green label, the reserve. I have a little bit of that left. Dude, that's that's a good one. I gotta try to find. I mm. I know the store. I gotta go down and see if they still have some. Yeah. Hopefully they do, and I can grab another that, another bottle or two. That's that's a good bottle too. I may uh, mm. I may go grab that bottle a little later, but but no that's that's good shit. But this John Lane though it's uh, yikes, this gets me into trouble. So good, <sighs> so good, yum. Yeah, we're just uh we're ripping through these segments tonight, man. I know, right? Well, because we got a great topic. We do have a great topic, and it was you know one of the topics that I enjoyed doing research on. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, so we want to just go ahead to... Fuck it. Let's just go. Let's go. All right, folks. Tonight, you're going to get something a little bit different from us. You're getting a movie review. And on this St. Patty's Day, we are reviewing... None other than the great 1990 flick. Oh, Jesus. Try again. Break, break, break. The great 1999 flick, The Boondock Saints. Woo! So let's talk a little bit uh, in, the, uh, in the great form of Chuck, our, <laughs> our good friend and buddy. Let's talk about the movie a little bit. So, like I said, in 1999, it has an unbelievable cast. So it's about these two brothers, played by Sean Patrick Flannery and Norman Reedus. Now, Norman Reedus, that name's going to sound real familiar to a lot of your folks who uh, do, like, The Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, he plays—oh, uh, shit, what's the dude in The Walking Dead? He's, like, one of the lead dudes. He's the badass. Yeah, the dude um, with the crossbow. Daryl. With the crossbow. Daryl. Daryl, there you yeah. go. Yeah. Um, now, some other well-known actors in this. You've got Billy Connolly. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love him. He's amazing. He's so good. So good. Uh, William Defoe. Now, we're going to talk about William <laughs> Defoe for a hot minute. Because his, his character is fucking phenomenal. Uh, he's so great. Absolutely phenomenal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you also have an actor by the name of Gerard Parks. Now, Gerard Parks is famous in this movie for two words. 
fuck? Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he plays the bartender. Who uh, apparently has who is, Tourette's. And that's uh, what he says. Absolutely. That's, that's what he says. So uh, you have these uh, three detectives who are just absolute assholes, right? Those are played by Brian Mahoney, David Ferry, and Bob Marley. Bob Marley is the detective uh, uh, Greenlee. The one who's he's, like, always... he's a huge fucking guy. <laughs> he's a huge fucking guy. Yeah, and he's the one that's always going to get coffee because everything yeah. he says this is, is wrong. <laughs> Oh, All right, Jesus. so we got a serial crusher theory, yeah. a huge fucking guy theory, right? <laughs> All right, so those are just some of the cast. Um, the opening scene to this movie is uh, starts in a church, mm. and this this sermon starts going, and all of a sudden these two guys stand up and they walk towards the church. What is kind of funny about this, nobody stops them. Like The pastor just keeps preaching. They walk up to the Virgin Mary statue, they kiss the feet, they touch the thing, then they turn around and they fucking... Well, just, I'm I'm they, pretty sure it's a priest, not a pastor, and I'm pretty sure oh. it was a giant crucifix. So, I mean, it's a Catholic church. So, I mean, that's, uh, that's gonna be. A I'm thing. pretty sure it's the Virgin Mary. Ah, uh, you sure? Because there was a big fucking crucifix on that church. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was the Virgin well, Mary. One of the one of the cool bits about that that beginning scene is that I assume because this is one of the unspoken things about about this movie is that. Enough people within the church, especially those of the parish, who they know these two these two men, so they allow this to happen because even in the beginning, you have a visiting priest giving like the uh, uh, not the Lord's Supper, Jesus, um, the uh, fuck, what is it? The thing that a sermon? No, it's not a sermon. It's the Lord's Prayer. There we go. So he's quoting that with the congregation. Then he goes sit down, and the main priest comes up. Says, hey, thanks for coming across town, blah, blah, blah. And then shortly after he starts talking, the brothers go up, they do their thing, and this visiting priest is like, okay, what the fuck's going on? And one of the other priests like leans over and I'm assuming explains to him, says, Hey, these guys are cool. Leave them be. One of the best parts about that entire first scene is something the priest says right at the end. And he says, it's not evil men we should fear, but the indifference of good, good men. Good men. Oh, Jesus. Like, the, the first time I heard that, I just, I sat there, I'm like, that's, that is so fucking profound. <laughs> and it's like, holy shit. And then, and that, that set the tone for the whole well, movie. It, it does, because then immediately, like, because the the brothers do pause, mm-hmm. they hear that part, and then they walk outside. They light a cigarette, and uh, and Sean Patrick Flannery, uh, who plays Connor, um, says like he looks at his brother and says, "I believe Monsieur's got it right this week." Yeah, you know? <laughs> and then they go off, um, and then it starts playing the music, and then and like the the opening credits are great, um, uh, good like dialogue, good. Um, there's cut scenes inside of the credits as it goes. Uh, and, the the funny part with uh oh, I forget what her name is the actress, um it was like rule of thumb and she's like rule of thumb bar, bar, bar. He's like, oh don't you think it should have been rule of wrist and uh, and then she ends up like kicking fucking Murphy in the balls and then oh, no kicks Connor in the balls yeah. and then freaking Murphy, and then comes Murphy over and, like knocks her, her out yeah. yeah and then you see the foreman's like oh shit oh shit yeah they they're so, punching women again yep it's set in uh it's set in boston it was cool mm-hmm. about watching it this time is i don't know i don't remember the last time i've watched it like it's been a while mm-hmm. so 
it was cool because now like where they're walking and like, I've been there. I know where that is. I've been like in those places and I can see, like I see those things. So it's, it's pretty sweet. Um, so St. Patty's day is like the kickoff day that, that this whole thing starts. Uh, and I mean, we're not going to do like the whole storyline, right? Uh, we'll just kind of talk some, some story highlights. So, uh, obviously there's a lot of mob stuff going on. The Russian mob is kind of coming in and taking over the bar scene. These big like dudes come in and it's kind of where the whole thing starts off. The Russian dudes are like, you are closing now. And, uh, and there's a big fight. Um, you know, you meet Rocco, you meet, uh, Doc. Doc is played by Gerard Parks and, mm-hmm. Uh, kind of goes off and now Gerard Parks has this wonderful tick that he doesn't say the like he has all these sayings but he mixes them up right people so people no. in glass houses sink ships sink ships right <laughs> <laughs> why, why don't you make like a tree and get, get the, the fuck, fuck out of here yeah um so so that kind of kicks it off and then uh and then that that leads the the Russians to come over and get a hold of of the brothers and try to kill them. And then uh, a bunch of action scenes. Anyway, uh, that's where we meet William Defoe and William Defoe is a federal agent who shows up because it's mobs and it's, it's Russians. And, um, and he is this quirky, bizarre crime scene, like investigator dude. Um, who's very smart and very intellectual mm-hmm. and you just love him. you yeah. love to watch him. It- so, his introduction was, at least in my opinion, one of the the best introductions I've ever seen for uh, a character for a movie. Because you get the idea that he's important because he is let out of the back of a squad car and he slowly, like, it's all slow-mo as he is approaching the three main detectives looking at the, the dead Russian guys. And... He, you know, lights a cigarette, and he's just kind of casually walking. Like, definitely a cool moment. You're like, okay, so this this guy is some serious shit. And and he sits there, and he lets this guy go on his, his rant about what his theory is. And then he completely trashes that theory. And then he tells this dude, go get me some fucking coffee. <laughs> which, is, which is hilarious. But then, of course, this is what dates the movie. He pulls out a couple of earbuds, puts them in his ear, and leans down. And he turns on the fucking Walkman. It's a CD Walkman. It's still fucking hilarious, though. Which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, and and the thing is, it hit me when I was watching it. I was like, honestly, like if we think about this character as if he was a real detective, that would be brilliant because he he has opera playing in his ears. It essentially takes out all your sensory stuff, and it allows you to almost focus visually. And then that's what he does. He starts surveying the scene as this opera music is going and everybody's just kind of watching him do his thing. And then at one point he has, you see that he's looking down this alleyway and he's like, Hey, I bet you anything. There's a a bullet in there. And as he walks down the alleyway, he kind of sticks his hands out. Like he's doing this little walking dance thing. Like he is so eccentric, but in the best way possible. That every time you see him, that energy just gets a little more. <laughs> it, it builds. Oh. Every crime scene they go to builds and builds and builds until mm-hmm. like the one of the last ones uh, where they meet El Duce, right? There yep. was a firefight. But we're, we're skipping ahead. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
so the the storyline progresses. Uh, so after the scuffle that kills these Russian mafiosos, the, these Irish brothers they they turn themselves in, um, and it's self defense. It's no big deal. And they they ask to spend the night in jail because the press is outside. And they don't want to get involved. That's one of the cool scenes. So there is a, a dream sequence. Now you don't like see the dream, right? But you, the brothers are dreaming. You can hear a voice in the background. There's there's like water falling, um, and it wakes them up. And when they wake up, they share this moment. Uh, and I, I was watching this last night, and actually, I shot Josh a message. You know, I was like, I didn't realize how like strong that look was between the two of them. So they wake up and they look at each other, and they just have this like, let's fucking go look. Mm-hmm. Right, so I think they know at that point that what they're about to go do, they're about to go do some vigilante shit, mm-hmm. um, and and that leads them on this this movement. Now, uh, which once they get out of the the police department, you know, um, and they go to arm themselves to go like get ready to go, um, you get your first glimpse at some of the cool background shit that happens in this movie. Right, there's a lot of sayings, there's a lot of. Uh, um, phrases that are very cool, but the what's I found to be very interesting is the art that's on the walls mm-hmm. has some very very interesting phrases. So when they go to arm themselves and get uh, and 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 load up for their first big, you know, mission, right? Mm-hmm. There is a phrase on the wall that says, "While the wicked stand confounded, call me with thy saints surrounded," right? Mm. Just little cool shit. Um, uh, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. Right, <laughs> that's written on the door, going into the freaking like the strip club thing. Right. Yep. Um, and and you get those little things that you just see throughout the movie. Just these little little hints of freaking just silly phrases and things. Um, that that I find to be, uh, stunning. Mm-hmm. As weird as that sounds, right? It's just stunning because somebody took the time and the detail put that up there right these things are very deliberate they're very intentional yeah and and somebody had to have the vision to say hey let's put this here because this represents this and this is gonna look like this it's gonna be great mm-hmm. fuck yeah that kind of vision that you know from that filmmakers have is it, it blows me away i they have more creativity in their little pinky than i have in my entire fucking body and and they they employ it so beautifully yes uh, Troy uh, Troy Duffy was the uh, the writer and director. Um, he he knew what he wanted to do. At least, if if I were to take it just from the movie standpoint, all the shots were were like they had a purpose. Um, background stuff had purpose. It wasn't just filler stuff. It felt very much like it was specific. Like, like taking back to that first scene where they're continuing to pray while everybody's sitting and they get up and then they go up front. It's like, okay, why do that without any explanation? That, that wasn't necessarily needed. Like, they could have just gotten up and left and they still had done the last line, but why have them go up to the front because let's assume that their dream that they had was from divine intervention or whatever, you know, they had that connection because they went up to the statue. So they were more religious. And so all these things that intertwine together are very specific, very on purpose, which, which is amazing through this movie. And 
And some people, at least from folks that I've talked to, definitely dismiss this very easily. And it's like, okay, it's like, first off, you're missing out because, one, it's a funny fucking movie. <laughs> it's hilarious. It's... I was laughing my tits off. Oh, it was great. Oh, yeah. It's 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 funny. It's got action. It's just... It, it was different. It felt fresh. There was something about this movie that just felt fresh to movies that were coming out at the time. Um, Didn't do very well, like, not didn't do poorly, but according to box office stuff, it wasn't a big winner. Definitely has a, excuse me, fuck the beer. God. Um, definitely had a stronger cult following afterwards. And then that's kind of where it got its popularity. They ended up doing the second one. And then there was talk of a, a show. And then there's been confirmation of a third one, which they're actually releasing a Saints Kentucky Straight Bourbon with it. And so I was like, you know what? I might try to get a bottle of that just, just for shits. <laughs> because I think it comes one of their uh, rosaries. So I was like, that'd be pretty cool to have. <laughs> and if the whiskey's good, then, you know, that's a bonus. But it's definitely underrated. Definitely underrated. and It, it, is, it is underrated, like big time. And um, the fact that they did a second one and like other like because there was an animated series right as well, isn't there an animated no, series? No, that's the Boondocks has oh. nothing to do with Boondocks Saints, <laughs> nothing to do with it. Don't but, be judgy. No, nah, I'm just I don't saying. Fucking know. I'm just saying. But anyway, um, so after they arm themselves, one of their first major hits is a uh, a Russian mob boss meeting where there are a whole bunch of underbosses and, and shit like that. And so they decide to do the whole secret agent thing and crawl through the vents, but then they get lost. And then the brothers start fighting each other in the vent. They crash through into the meeting, hanging upside down. They do their, like, totally ridiculous. But if if you decide that you are going to be essentially, you know, an assassin and you've never done it before... There's a learning curve. They definitely go through this learning curve in this in this scene. It was oh, it was hilarious, and you know. So the build up to it, Josh, you got you got to talk about the build up, okay? Because the build up starts in that cage that has that phrase on the wall. Oh yeah, where right. they're getting all and, the the guns and everything. Right, they're yeah. getting all the guns and stuff. Connor's like, we need some rope. <laughs> and his brother's like, what the fuck you need rope for? Right, and they they have this big interchange back and forth. Yep. And finally, it's like, all right, go get your stupid fucking rope, right? <laughs> and that rope becomes a point of contention because they're crawling through his vent. He's like, oh, this rope weighs 30 pounds. Well, <laughs> as they fall, the rope snags, and it's the rope that actually wraps around them and has them hanging upside down and spinning in a circle into which they just literally murk everybody in the room. Oh, yeah. Um, completely on accident, upside down, hanging from the rope. Yeah. And the, the best part is, they, like, they hop down, and they, like, like, the dude cuts, one of the brothers cuts the rope, they fall down, they stand up, they're looking around, they're like, we are good. And his other well, brother's like, yes, we are. You know, like well, They even make a point to like, they say they there's usually that guy who hums, hops over the sofa. And they're like, yeah, then you got to shoot at him for 10 fucking minutes. You know, so <laughs> they essentially it's making fun of action movies. You have an action movie making fun of action movies because these gunfights always last forever. And so the fact theirs was over in seconds and they acknowledge that. <laughs> 
and is... they acknowledge it. It's almost like a fourth wall break. Right. Again, back in that cage. Yeah. Where the guy's like, where he's like, hey, we need the rope. And the guy's like, this isn't the fucking movies, bro. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then the, the board brother pulls out this giant fucking knife. He's like, oh, yeah, Rambo? Yeah. Like, what are you going to so oh, the God. big hit, and that's where you know Rocco. Rocco's kind of involved in in this as well. He's the funny man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's their friend. He shows up. They fuck with him. Anyway, they go back to Rocco's house after the hit. Oh, uh, Rocco was hired to to do the same hit on these guys, but was given one gun, six bullets. There's nine dudes. Big that that comes up later on in the movie. Um, but you have the cat scene. <laughs> so. They're partying hard because they just had a great hit. They just did oh, a yeah. big thing. Um, they're drinking. They're talking. And Rocco kind of gets pissed that he was left to die, you know, by his his people. And throughout this whole scene, there's a cat that's just kind of hanging out on the table and whatever. <laughs> and Rocco hits the table, like double fist pounds the table, like, ah, boom. And the gun fires and the cat fucking explodes on the wall. Totally. All three of them, like, jump up from the table. They're all looking at each other like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And one of the 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 Murphy brothers are like 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 that was awesome. And then Rocco goes, "Is it dead? Is it dead? <laughs> I can't believe that just fucking happened." And for those of you who have no idea what we're talking uh, about, you need to go see this movie. Yes, um, it is not for young children or kids, or maybe it is. I don't no. care. I, you let your kids watch whatever the fuck you want. Um, but it is uh, it is amazing. And then. Yep. Uh, and then the the girlfriend comes back, right? And they've got to mm-hmm. go because Rocco got into some shit. And uh, that it's a, like the the cat comes back up again. Mm-hmm. You know, well, she's like, "Where's my cat? I will blow my brains out if you tell me what that fucking cat's name was." Right? <laughs> well, like even the build up to that. Um, the next day, they're they're kind of hungover. We have uh, Connor, one of the brothers, and uh, Rocco outside, and he kind of lays it out for him. He's like, "Hey, he's like." this is weird. You know, he, he sent you in with six bullets and there's nine guys. He's like that. That's too. No, that ain't right. And so the, the brothers both believe that he was sent there to off a couple of guys. And they even mentioned this, that, Hey, you know, nine guys, six bullets shooters dead at the scene. Cause chances are you might be able to kill a couple of them, but you're short. You're dead shortly after. And of course, you know, Rocco gets mad and he, you know, he storms off and everything. And then you hear back from Rocco where he he asks, Hey, you know, anybody call for me or anything like that? And then he's like, No. And then they 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 definitely do some weird like time lapse things where it's you're watching Maine and then stuff happens, but then they go back. So like when he rushes back into the apartment, he's freaking out. You have no idea what's going on. And then it goes back to where he makes the call to the brothers. He's outside of a restaurant, goes in. There's a couple of Italian mob guys who he knows because he's, you know, a, a package boy for the mob. Um, apparently, everybody knew that he was supposed to die. Everybody knew. And he takes it very poorly, shoots up the two mob guys, goes over, and he knows that the bartender at this diner, deli, whatever it was, knew also he blasts him away. You know, middle of the day. And he's like, oh, shit. And so he's freaking out, gets back to the apartment. He's like, back your shit, back your shit. <laughs> one, one of the best lines out of that is, like, he grabs the iron. He looks like, you better get excited, motherfucker. We got to go. <laughs> you know, just 
absolutely freaking out. And that's when the girlfriend, hey, uh, where's my cat? And then, and then he just has this moment of, really? And he's like, really? I killed your cat. <laughs> just, it just, it, it's, it's such a high energy intensity scene. It's so much fun, though. So when it yeah. finally cools back down, you know, then and then they go into their next hit where they decide, hey, the the underboss to the the group that are the the mob family that Rocco worked for is terrible. What played by uh, Ron Jeremy? Ron Jeremy. Jesus Christ! Could you have gotten anybody who oh. just puts off a more creep vibe? So creepy. Oh God. <laughs> So so creepy. That, Actually, he's in prison now, right? I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> so there, this next don't hit. don't cancel the Boondock Saints because Ron Jeremy's a creep. Ugh. He plays a creep in the fucking thing. He's in prison right now. We're good. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and he dies. So it's fine. Spoiler. And he dies. Like, yes. Yeah. 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 Justice is served. Don't yeah. cancel this movie. Yeah, yeah. So you have this next hit. And and there's so much buildup to the hit, because you have the the FBI uh, FBI agent and the uh, the Boston PD investigation. They're currently investigating the big Russian mob hit, and then the brothers decide to go do this other hit. <laughs> there's there's so much shit that happens with this. They oh, hang on, they get the guy, which is great, but once he's dead. The stripper, because they, I guess it's this weird circular room. And so you have Rocco, who is genuinely a good guy, but kind of a creep because the, the stripper's passed out. Her tits are out. He just kind of reaches over there, and, you know, cops a little feel. And then the brother's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I'll tip her. <laughs> Best part about that, I actually got to meet David Della Rocco. The coolest fucking dude ever. And I have a signed picture of him with his hands up, and he even wrote, you know, David Del Rocco, I'll tip her on the photo that he signed. And nice. then, not even provoked, uh, he got up, and we were able to take, like, personal pictures with him. It was fantastic. Um, such a cool dude. Such a cool dude. Um, That's awesome. And so, the, so, before they even go into the room, though, mm-hmm. there is just this moment of comedic genius where, because the brothers wear these masks, these black ski masks. Mm-hmm. Well, this is Rocco's first hit with them, and he has a homemade mask that has like a little hole for like the tip of his nose, and his eyes are fucking weird. And one of the brothers looks like, like you look like uh, what's mush his mouth name? Fat Albert. From Fat yeah. Albert. <laughs> and, and they like Rocco gets like buttered. He rips the mask. I'm like, no, put it on, man. Put it back on. You look really scary. <laughs> and then you- right before they go into the room, he's like, Hey, Rocco, you gonna be OBK? <laughs> Oh my god! And then they launch it. No, that was that was great. Well, and and this is when you start to see that because there's definitely that intensity build up with uh, with the uh, FBI guy who is investigating the Russian mob or the the hits in the hotel, and then he gets over to the hit in the strip joint, and then he starts asking these questions like, okay, so they killed this guy. He's Italian mob. What what about these two other guys? What's going on with these guys? Why kill these two? These guys are just street walking scum. Like I think he even says that. He's like, so so why kill them? And then one of the guys, uh, uh, Greenlee says, he's like, well, they're all bad guys. Now they're all dead guys. You know. 
And so he made the connection. They're all bad guys, which is one of the big things the brothers try to do. And just seeing him start piecing this stuff together is is fascinating to watch. And then one of the detectives is like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm totally tapped out from that scene across town. And he's like, what scene? And then he sees another connection. They go over there, and he's pissed, and he realizes that all this shit's connected somehow. He doesn't, he doesn't know how yet, but all of it's connected. And he's getting more and more angry and, and shorter with everybody, which compared to the beginning, he was very lighthearted and joking and very much looking into the work. But then as it goes on, he gets more upset, more frustrated, and just, you know, you can see it starts wearing on him. And it's, and it's, it's such an interesting character progression to watch. It's and, it's great. And an important part of his character is the fact that he's homosexual. Um, because obviously uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, toxic masculinity going on in the Boston <laughs> yes. PD, right? Um, there's a there's a couple of right, and and this the language that is used uh, was language that was used in 1999. So there's some folks that would be completely offended by it, but it's whatever, right? Um, there's a scene when he gets called, he gets woken up in bed. <laughs> to go to the scene of all the ru- the Russian mob bosses that were killed, right? When the boys were hanging upside down. Yep. Um, well, that scene, he's in bed with his boyfriend, right? And we while he's it. on the phone, his boyfriend keeps, like, trying to, like, snuggle him. And he's like, slaps the shit out of him, right? <laughs> and he's like, oh, my God. What are you trying to do? And he's like, his boyfriend's like, I just wanted to cuddle. <laughs> cuddle? I'm not going to say the, no, no, the no, end no. part of the line, but it was it, it, how it's written. Great was was great, and Ugh. they that becomes a a big part of the story later on because there's a transition period mm-hmm. where uh, you know uh, William Defoe gets uh, conflicted and then goes and gets drunk, ends up in a church in a confessional with a priest who is being held hostage by Rocco, and that Rocco has got a gun to his head, which is one of the brothers. <laughs> Uh, anyway, hot mess. Um, but that's where William Defoe's character gets clarity. Mm-hmm. Like his job is now to support these guys and to defend them and, and mm-hmm. to like make sure that they're good to go. And um, he to which he ends up showing up later in drag, playing a hooker, and to like help the boys because they, they got caught. You know, um, which is a fucking hilarious. But that's like his his character is so conflicted. The the big shootout scene with uh, El Duce mm. is where it's funny because he's like talking through this and that's where Greenlee gets one right he's like he's like it was six guys on two it was a it was a firefight he's like shooting his gun off in the air um and freaking uh you know that's where Greenlee was like what if it was one guy with six, six guns, guns. <laughs> it's like shut the fuck up anyway but it was actually one guy with six guns right um, well um and the cool thing is with uh with uh El Duce or the Duke um, you have the Italian mob boss who Rocco used to work for. He thinks that um, Rocco is just out to take out his whole enterprise. So he goes to an old underboss who now is blind and is do like is like a uh uh what do you call the the guys who hang he's out a, in bathrooms? A bathroom attendant. Yeah, so he's a bathroom attendant, and so he goes in there and he talks to him. And he's like, hey, he's like. We need the Duke. And he's like, and one of the first things this uh, this old underboss says to him, the Duke, he's like, what did you do? <laughs> and so 
And so clearly they only bring in this guy when, and he even says when things were absolutely fucked. The only time we brought this guy in. And then as they're having this conversation, you go to a maximum uh, security prison where the Duke is hanging out. Um, and they're slowly bringing him out. He's chained up, and they put him in a cage and, and all this crazy shit. Um, the Duke is played by uh, Bill. Uh, reminded Billy me of, uh, what's his name? Uh, f- do you remember the movie Con Air? Yeah. Um, oh, shit. What's his name? The actor's name. He's in a lot of the Adam Sandler's movies. He plays just like the crazy guy. Um, huh? That's that's just about everybody who works with Adam Sandler. Yeah, that's true. Are you talking about the dude with like the really big eyes? Yes. I can't think of his name, but I no, I know who you're talking about. Um, let me tell you here in just a sec. Okay. Uh, chat. Steve. uh, Yeah, where's our fucking... Steve um, Buscemi. Steve Buscemi. Yes. So, uh, the scene where they're pulling the Duke out is reminiscent of the scene where they're pulling Steve Buscemi out in Con Air. Because he was the guy that ate everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Right? So, it was real, like, it had that that, that same vibe, like, this this is a really bad guy. Mm -hmm. You know, but Billy Connolly looks big. Yeah, and he looks daunting. Whereas, like when they took freaking Buscemi's mask off, you're like, "Oh, it's that dude from the Adam Sandler movie." Like, oh, he's like, aw, <laughs> aw. <laughs> so, but like, yeah, they they definitely paint the picture of him being this ruthless kind of guy. And then the first time you see him, the the brothers in Rocco go after another bad guy who, uh, and according to Rocco, is a hitman, a hitman for the mob. Um, has no creed against who to kill. Uh, like one of the examples Rocco gives the brothers is he takes out a whole family, and so he's like, "Yeah, man." He's like, "We we got to do this guy," and so they get to this place, and this guy is holding uh, like a regular uh, poker game with other mob guys. So they they take everybody out, but Rocco is responsible for taking out the main guy. So spoilers, he kills him. And then they decide to leave. And they go through the front door. When you kill somebody, do you really go through the front door when you leave? I, I don't think that's a thing. But maybe it is. So for, for the sake of the movie, they decide to go out through the front door. And as the three of them walk out, here's this single guy. Sweet fucking sunglasses. Got the sweet hat, a black trench coat. And you can kind of get the sense that the brothers... No, this guy is bad news. And and the best part about this whole hit was as it's happening, you have this FBI agent almost imagining how it's happening. And he's interacting with the scene as it's playing out. And so when this happens, this is when he gets it wrong. He's like, you know, there's there's a whole bunch of guys out here. There's a fucking ambush and all this other stuff. And but it was just this one guy. And and just fucking bullets are flying, and it's just it. Ugh. Everybody gets shot. Yeah. Well, fucking Rocco loses his pinky. Rocco loses a finger. <laughs> yeah. And it just that that scene is is the intensity is different. Where the other hits, the intensity was was light, simply because it's it was like you know first times, and it was 
Um, at least with the the second hit in the strip club, it was kind of um, uh, justification for Rocco because the underboss for that you know he had said let's kill was was nasty to him. You know, wasn't a good guy. But with with this uh, the Duke, the intensity felt different. There was one guy who was there to kill all three of them. Yep, and and I have to think that. The combined four of them are all terrible shots. The fact that that the brothers each got shot once, the Duke got shot once, and Rocco lost a finger. They emptied, like, full clips. <laughs> they only got shot once. And they were stationary, right? Right. Duce was moving. Yeah. But not at a fast rate of speed. No. Like, and he didn't even reload. He just dropped guns, yeah. grabbed two more, kept going. Dropped guns, grabbed two more, kept going. And that, that that was one of those things where I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, how did they not? And the contrast to that, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what makes you think, like, they were a little conflicted. They were a little distracted. Like, they knew this guy. Right. There was something about this guy that they knew or that was familiar was the fact that they had just come out of disgustingly accurate, like, marksmanship. Yes. Right? So so they were able to shoot effectively mm-hmm. uh, upside down. They were able to shoot effectively um, walking into that room uh, and taking out old boy through glass that they could not see through. And then they freaking, like, so, so there was the, this weird contrast where they were good marksmen until this guy shows up, and that gives you your first hint. Like, uh, this dude is something. Mm-hmm. This dude is something. So who is this guy, right? And mm-hmm. how? What's what's there? There's something there, right? Yeah. And then the fight ends, and um, and they kind of go into recovery mode, which is one of the interesting scenes because they take that iron <laughs> that Rocco grabbed, right, and they heat it up, and they they're like searing uh, the yep. the wounds, the their gun wounds that they they took. So yeah, it. I think that. That part is when the movie takes an emotional turn. Yeah. Because you have that emotion of when they're fixing each other up. And then that leads into the the realization from the FBI agent who knows who's doing these killings. He's conflicted because he agrees with what they're doing, but he's somebody who's supposed to be upholding the law and, and he should arrest them because he knows that. Um, but then he realizes, no, they need my help. So you have all this realization going off, and then they decide we are hitting the main Italian mob boss. Um, uh, shit, oh, fuck, I, his name totally escapes me right now. Um, Papa Joe, is that his name? No. Yacovetta is his last name. Okay, They're like he has a nickname that happened that comes out in the in the movie, but I can't think of what it is. But they they hit they're going to hit the main guy, but then the FBI guy ends up finding out that everybody is waiting for them there, and then quick scene transition, and you're at the main mom guy's house. The brothers and Rocco are kidnapped and just getting the living shit beat out of them, and. This again, total tone change. Um, Rocco gets tortured a little bit, which which is hard a to little watch. bit. He gets fucked up. Oh yeah, and then 
And then you know, you have well, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. I apologize for interrupting you. No, you're good. However, we need to announce. Okay. Do Joe has entered the chat. Ah, uh-huh. jeez, Joe, you're late. Nice to see you, Joe. Okay, Josh, continue. Okay. You were describing Rocco getting abused. Yes. So there's this moment of like where there's the uh, the the abuse happening, and then all the guys who've been doing that leave for a second, and they're like, "Hey, so what are we gonna do?" And you have the the head guy is like, "Well, there's only one thing I can do." And spoilers for those who have not seen it, but technically, it's been out for for a while now. So it came out in 1999. So we You're can good. skip Continue, the spoilers. Sir. So yes. he walks in casually carrying a very large six uh, six shooter and lifts it up and just blows Rocco away. And the brothers just fucking freak out. Which, understandably, if, if he was their best friend, you know. So seeing your best friend getting shot in front of you, that's got to fuck you up a little bit. And so then the brothers decide to break their cuffs Essentially, like, you know, cracking their, their thumbs. They break their, their hands to get out of the cuffs, yeah. Yep. And so then when they finally get out, they they are able to take a few of these guys out. And then while all that's happening, the FBI agent is in the house, in drag, as a prostitute, taking out a couple mob members here and there. <laughs> Just, But then you even see his transition from... From still being on the the teetering side of okay, am I a part of this or or am I am I still gonna be you know? But then he does his first kill and he's like, "Yep, you see it in his face." He's like, "Okay." Well, he says, uh, "Like too, right after that, he's far. like, too far." Yep, too far, right? Yep, and and then he then he goes throughout. He ends up getting knocked unconscious by the Duke. Who was there? Now, one of the cool things is uh, as the brothers take their victims, especially if they're going after a specific victim, they say this prayer. Are you ready? I'll go. And shepherds we shall be for thee, my Lord, for thee. Power hath descended forth from thy hand that our feet may swiftly carry out thy command. So we shall flow a river forth to thee and teeming with souls shall it ever be. In nomine patri. So, as after they say that, they happen to take out their, their victims. Now, they are sitting looking at Rocco, and they decide to say this prayer for Rocco. The Duke comes in, weapons drawn, and he hears them saying that, and he puts his guns away. And the brothers hear him putting his guns away. Then they quickly turn around midway through the prayer. This guy finishes the prayer. Come to find out the Duke is actually the father of the two brothers. Which, super cool. <laughs> uh, it jumps forward a little bit. Uh, the same mob boss is now on trial for something. Because, you know, mob members are always, you know, getting taken to court. He's, you know, doing this big old thing. They're working with the uh, Boston PD and the the FBI agent. The father and the brothers march right into that courtroom, basically hold it hostage, and they they have this. The, the two brothers have this back and forth mile uh, mile long, uh, dialogue with the the people in the court, 
it's some of it's kind of odd. And if you definitely look at it from a perspective of of an innocent bystander, these all these guys look like religious fanatics. <laughs> like 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 no fake. They really do. But hardcore. It's, it's it's super like intense. And after they have their spiel, you have all three of them go behind the main uh, mob boss. They all three of them in unison start saying the prayer. And then when you get to that last bit, the um, uh, nomini, uh, was it Nomi Patry, whatever it is, each of them take a part of that. Keep in mind, the brothers both have, I'm assuming they look like, you know, just standard handguns. The dad has a, like a short shotgun. And they're standing at the back of the mob boss's head with their guns to his head. There was nothing left of the front of his face when they were done. I mean, fucking nothing left. And then you then you have people rushing out of the courtroom and everything. And then one of the cool bits is right into there at the end. You have the brothers and the dad in some dinky kind of small hotel room. Connor says to the dad, he's like, how far are we going to take this? And he sits, the dad sits up and he's like, oh, fuck. it's like, it's not, it's not how, you know, oh, fuck, I'm going to mess it up now. Don't ask yourself how far, but do you possess the constitution to take it as far as it's needed or, or something to that effect? And then he slowly sits back smoking on a cigar and then like, the next screen to come up is like news footage of people getting interviewed at being asked questions about the saints and people are saying, Oh yeah, they're great. Some people are saying, Oh, they're bad. And, and then the credits start rolling. It just, it was such a crazy way to end, end that movie because at the time, you know, there was no indication of a second movie, none. And, and honestly, they didn't need one. <laughs> they didn't. They, they, they didn't and that, need They one. fucked up by making a second one. And let me tell you, um, I could not watch the second one all the way through. I've never finished it. Oh, really? Yeah. So I, I started to. I sat down and watched it. And mm-hmm. the opening scene has Rocco walking down a sidewalk. And I'm like, yep, this motherfucker's out. That Damn. dude took a 45 to the fucking heart. Like yeah. there's not, there's not, nope, I'm done. And I get it. It might be like spiritual or it might be reminiscent or it might be like a looking back thing, but they opened mm-hmm. it with the dude that was dead. I'm like, no, yeah. no. Open it with fucking El Duce, like fucking somebody up or some shit. Right. Like, don't open up with a dead dude. <laughs> Fuck you. Okay. But hang on. That movie did two scenes. So well, I will watch that movie for those two scenes. First scene is there is a dream sequence where the brothers uh, both dream about Rocco. And then there's this this monologue between the three of them. Like one of the first things Rocco says when they really start in this, he's like, men build things and then we die. <laughs> it's like, that's our lot in life. That's what we do. You know, just and, and then they just go back and forth. It, it's so great. There's so much energy. And essentially that was their their encouragement to keep going. Rocco was there encouraging them in the afterlife to keep going. It was, it was so fucking great. The next one is where there has been this assassin who has been, uh, um, 
killing people in the same fashion as the saints, trying to frame them. He shows up. You have the dad and this guy. They kind of have this weird understanding. And the dad pulls out a six-shooter, puts a bullet in it, and essentially they play Russian roulette. Like, like no fake. Like, I remember sitting on the edge of my, uh, in, the, in the theater, sitting on the edge of my seat. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Don't kill him. It just, it just, it freaked me. No, he pulls out two guns, puts a bullet in each one, and then I think he hands one to this guy. And then they take turns, like, clicking it. And I think they, like, ask each other, fuck, I'd have to watch it now, um, where they, like, ask each other questions and then pull a trigger. It It's so fucking crazy. These two scenes, and they happen, like, one right after the other, makes that movie worth it. That's it. Other than that, that movie does not have much going for it, which is, which is a bummer, which is a huge bummer because we, you got a weird look on your face, and I don't know if I like it. <laughs> No, I, I'm I'm good. I'm just listening to what you're saying. It's it's hard for me to. Uh, I don't know, man. Hmm. I I'm gonna have to watch it. I'm gonna have to like see what you're because I I I don't know. It sounds like cheesy as fuck. I I don't know. I I thought it was fun. You know, there there has they have confirmed that they are working on a third one to the point where they're even releasing uh, a bourbon with the third one but it's going to be like a limited release and everything. It's like, okay, <laughs> if that's as bad as the second movie, nobody's going to want it. But, oh, they'll buy the bourbon because it's limited, but like, right. But it's, um, so anyway, back, back to the first movie. They, they did so much that was right with the first one. They did. They, they could have done, really well with the second one. They could have, but then they made weird choices. Like, um, the, um, the guy they brought in to essentially replace, uh, Rocco. Um, he, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. it. It wasn't a, a big enough character like Rocco. Rocco was a huge character. Like the first time you see him, he, he walks into McGinty's bar and, you know, kind of straggly hair, big old beard, and he's got this giant smile on his face. He, it's it's so great. It's like this is the guy. Like, okay, so the tavern, or when you go to your local watering hole, there's one guy who shows up that is the life of this bar. That was Rocco. When he, at least the energy he brought into this bar, he was the life of this bar. And then as soon as all of his friends see him, and like one of the first things you hear Rocco say, he's like, hey, fuck ass, give me a beer. You know, it just, he, he's got this energy. So like, if if you were going to replace sidekicks, essentially, because that's what Rocco was, you needed to start with somebody who had a less energy and then go big. But they went the opposite. They had somebody with, big energy and then went low energy and it's like no nah, that that doesn't work and yeah. it just so yeah no the, the first one just it hit so many of the right spots and it it did it in okay in my book it did so many things right movie wise like was it great filmmaking no was it great cinema no <laughs> i mean it, it no it wasn't it really wasn't 
there there were there were choices and and visuals that should have gotten more um representation than they did i think this movie was was very much swept under the rug because of the content hey so timing right and that's let's go back to the the release information right this thing grossed in the box office when it released thirty thousand dollars that's what it made so it was only released in five theaters when it was released because it was released right around the same time as the Columbine shooting. Oh, fuck. And so, therefore, everybody was super nervous about it. Kind of like uh, The Interview. Do you remember the movie The Interview? <laughs> Where they were afraid that it was going to be World They got War afraid III. of Korea and didn't like release the movie, right? Oh, and then released fuck. it privately. Um, so, similar to that. However, this thing becomes a cult classic, and it then makes $50 million mm-hmm. subsequently after its release, yeah. So, so I, I would I would disagree. Um, it the timing of the movie and the content of the movie, like you said, um, impacted its ability to to be successful. Uh, I would say the timing had more of an impact than it because there were plenty of violent films that happened uh, along that same time, mm-hmm. uh, worse, more so violent, and then less as well. Um, so, so there was it, it was all there. It was, just, it was a timing thing. It just sucked, but. I, I would venture to say that the the long term, like uh, of this movie, uh, speaks to. It's kind of like Reservoir Dogs, right? Oh, Jesus! <laughs> right. Yeah. Brilliant filmmaking that nobody knew about. Right. Except for this group of people who were like, "This shit's awesome." Right. And you watch that and you're like, oh, my God. And then you you kind of break down like we're doing a little bit, and you know, part by part. And you look at at each chunk that Quentin Tarantino kind of put together. Right. Mm-hmm. And and these directors are very different. But how they they tell this story and how this story moves along, I, I think it it lends to um, being maybe not one of the greatest movies ever made. Mm-hmm. Right. Star Wars. This is not. No. Um, <laughs> but I, I think this holds a place in fantastic movie realm right this is a mm-hmm. fantastic movie mm-hmm. um it has action it has comedy um there is no love story no. right the only the only love that you can see really is the is the brothers in Rocco because they obviously they have a, a pretty deep relationship right and then there's this moment where after the father walks in after the duke walks in right and realizes that those are his boys like he there's this really quiet moment where he puts his hand on the back of each one of their heads mm-hmm. right and it's just this Bit, right but that's it yeah that's it the rest of it is just this comedic um kind of hodgepodge that that is done beautifully mm-hmm. it's it, and, and it's put together very well so i would argue the fact that it's not like some great work of cinema i think mm-hmm. it is i think there's a lot there and i think that i i made that point a little bit earlier with the little details and it's always the little details that matter Right, mm-hmm. so the little phrases, the phrases, you know, the the small things, the little the, the the little notes here and there, the 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 details that the director gave a shit about enough to make sure we're there, mm-hmm. and that's that's fucking cool. So um, yeah. I don't think it won any Academy Awards or maybe even got nominated for any, which is it, it only did thirty thousand dollars in the fucking box office. So of yeah. course it, it, it definitely wouldn't. wasn't going to get any awards. No, fuck no, but. Yeah. Uh, but since then has become a movie yeah. that 
most folks, when you're like, yeah, the boot knock saints, and you're like, oh my God, yeah, bah! and then you start, you start quoting lines. Right. You know, those are the movies that I, if somebody mentions a movie, mm-hmm. and the first year response after they mention that movie is to start quoting lines. That's that's a movie worth watching. Yeah. You know, um, we are like that. Like our our family specifically is like that with 1776. Oh, One person says, sit down, John. And now it, it's this fucking uh, and, and for those of you in the chat or on in podcast land who uh, have not uh, watched the musical 1776, you probably shouldn't because <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. And it's Big great. Dare! Even if you don't like musicals, you give me a rub. Um, <laughs> Um, it's, it's just, it's great. And, uh, the, the term, you know, sweet Jesus, like that, uh, <laughs> that, that originated there. Right. I couldn't yeah. say that as a kid. My mom slapped me right across oh, the mouth, yeah. but, uh, but now as an adult, I can say whatever the fuck I want to. So right. I say that quite often, but yeah, but, but that's a, a, another one. You know, you, mm-hmm. you mentioned a movie and the first thing that happens is somebody quotes a line from it. So there's yeah. an impact to be had there. Yeah. And, and the impact cool didn't win awards, didn't make a lot of money. But it has impacted people significantly to where everybody fucking knows it. Yeah. And I think as as a director, as a producer, you know, I, they want to make money, right? Because they're in the business of making money. But to know that they have this cult classic, this movie that everybody knows the lines to, mm-hmm. I I think they I think they're they, they're probably okay with that. Now also, something we it appears do... that Heath has shown up. Oh, hey Heath, it's about time we started uh, like you know two hours ago, but whatever. <clears throat> it's cool. So something we do need to talk about is the the use of Irish accents by people who are definitely not Irish. So, um, uh, uh, Norman uh, Norman Reedus, uh, who plays uh, Murph or Murphy, his. His accent out of all of them is the worst because there are times it comes in and out so fucking easy that it just is like, okay, he's not even, he's not even Irish anymore. So, you know, and they could assume like, oh, well they're, you know, they're in America. So maybe they're just adopting the American accent. Say, oh, shut up. If you're going to make them have an Irish accent, they either need to have it or they don't, don't kind of half and half, you know, um, Sean Patrick Flannery, he doesn't have an Irish accent. His was overdone like he sounded like a drunk leprechaun all right and it's just okay that doesn't help you know like you have one who's underdoing it and you have one that's overdoing it and it's and it doesn't work then you have uh billy Connolly, who's fucking i think he's fucking scottish i don't even think he's irish hang on uh yeah he was born in scotland so scottish yeah so so he had to do a fake accent but he didn't talk a whole lot so it's okay but he's got a cool accent anyway, so it's it's a great you know you, you don't worry too much about it. Like with Sean Connery, if he's supposed to be doing like you know an Irish accent, you don't really care because Sean Connery's talking, you know, and that that works for me. But their accents were so bad. Granted, they weren't like oh fuck, what's the name of the movie? Uh, Tom Cruise was a fighter, and then had uh, a big race far and away. Far and away. Something like that. His accent in that movie was fucking atrocious. Like, it was it was so fucking bad. Awful. Oh, Jesus. But 
with the brothers, it was a little forgiving because they were the main focus. With the with the uh, with the Duke, you didn't care because he didn't talk too much, but he was a, a cool presence. And when he did talk, he said really cool stuff, so you didn't really worry about it. The only person that I would say would have had the real accent was uh, the guy who played Doc, uh, the bartender. His accent sounded legit. So I assume like that, like that's how he actually talks. And, and I, he was the only person, if it was a fake accent, I had no problem with because his character and his mannerisms made you forget that he may not actually have that accent, which, which was okay. You know, fuck ass. But I mean, it just, uh, I, I, I can't get over the fact that how bad the accents were. Oh, bad. They were terrible. They Ugh. were so bad. Jesus. Yeah, and, and you saw, so anytime that they raised their voice or anytime that they yelled, oh. you saw that. What? Uh-oh. What happened? Uh, hang on. We may have, we may be having technical difficulties on, on your end there, Tiggs. Okay, what, what's up? Can you hear me? Uh, I, I kind of can hear you. Oh, there you are. Okay, sorry. You you froze up, and then you kind of got weird uh, with the with the voice. But no, you're you're back now. So Okay. We're good. Good. That was crazy. I'm glad I'm back now. Oh, fuck. It happened again. Well, okay. I guess we've had a lot of shows, and this one is bound to be okay for having technical difficulties well maybe maybe it's just no no you're frozen on the stream too um well you i can kind of hear you um so uh just for uh for the viewers and listeners uh joe our resident fact checker uh just confirmed that the guy who played the uh the bartender uh doc was the character name uh he was actually born in dublin so I'm I'm definitely assumed that that was legit his his actual accent, which is probably why it sounded so amazing. I don't know what's going on with uh, with Ian. Hey, can you hear me? Yes. <laughs> hey, we're back. <laughs> Holy shit! I don't know what happened there, but uh, but something went down. So hey, we're back. I feel like that's uh, <laughs> are, a good time for uh, last call. Are are we? Should we go to last? Yeah, yeah, we should definitely go to last call. All right. Okay. All right. So, friends, uh, thank you for listening tonight. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can catch us uh, most Mondays uh, for uh, for the podcast. You can catch us Thursday nights at seven thirty on Twitch for the actual recording of the show before it launches. A uh, big difference between the podcast and the the stream is. The fact that we have what we're going to now, which is last call. It's where we go. We talk about the show. We interact with the chat. We have a grand old time. Shit gets super fucking weird. Uh, most nights when Hermes there, but seeing how he bitched out tonight, he got <laughs> So it's just us. Josh, you look amazing, dude. I feel amazing. Actually, no, this hat is really tight on my head. 
and it's giving me kind of a headache. So, you know, are we ditching? I, are we ditching this stuff for your last call? Let's see. I don't want to take it off because there's going to be a big old red line right here across my giant forehead. So no, I'm going to keep it on. So, uh, yeah, because I'm super self conscious. I am going to turn it up a notch and, uh, bam! I'm going to give somebody a seizure. You look like the dude from LMFAO. Party rockers in the house tonight. <laughs> Everybody gonna have a good time. All right, folks. Uh, we will catch you next week. Get me the fuck out of here. All right, here we go.